Okay, so um, this is again going back to my theme of how history repeats itself. And this is um, state of sepsis 60 years ago. So basically what I did is I found this uh, pamphlet of old uh, medical treatment for emergency care. And this is 1966, uh, New England Journal of Medicine, and how uh, sort of the thought process behind sepsis. So some of the things they get right, some of the things they get wrong, and some of the ideas kind of cycle through time. So things become popular, then unpopular, popular, then unpopular. So um, basically sepsis, bacteremia. Um, so that kind of fits with our understanding today. They thought it's endotoxins and exotoxins. So that sort of fits with some of the things we still believe. Um, they also thought there was a big deal with obstruction of blood flow, particularly at the capillary level. So you go down from you know large blood vessels all the way to the capillary and thought there's problems with leakage. And some of that is still sort of in vogue. Some of it's not quite so true. Uh, the main population they were worried about were old men over 40. <laughs> you pretty much fall apart right once you hit 40. And the other thing that was interesting, the most common, uh, they said women after septic abortion. So thankfully we don't have to deal with that uh, anymore. But that was like the big issue uh, in 1966. Most common organism was E. coli. So that's similar to today. It was a little more gram, gram negative back then. Now we're shifting more towards gram positive and staph like pneumonia pulmonary sources. Um, <clears throat> There's a, they're kind of going over the symptoms with like people would have uh, rigors and shakes and they said fever in the elderly is very rare and I think every single old person we see now has like a temp of 104 or something like that so uh, that's a different uh, change. They made a big differential between warm and cold shock. So warm shock meant their tissues were pink, they were warm to touch, they were hypotensive but still perfusing. Cold was when they got all cold and clammy and there was a big differential if you had warm shock or cold shock. Cold shock was really bad. Now that seems like um, let's get some yellow bile and black bile titers. <laughs> it seems a little bit anachronistic. Um, so the things that they did do that we still sort of, well this I guess is one of those things that kind of goes in cycles. CVP. So you put in a CVP and measure the central venous pressure. The way they did that was a little bit different though. They said they had to insert a polyvinyl catheter and the way it was done it was kind of like the pick, or pick line sort of. So they take the basilic vein and do a surgical cut down, take some measuring tape, measure how long it would be about to the heart, and then insert a polyvinyl catheter in the cut down basilic vein and then measure CVP with a manometer, like a three-way stopcock. So um, technique was a little bit different, but the idea is the same. And what they did is if CVP was low, they give blood and plasma. So it wasn't crystalloid. It was like, you know, those old things you see at cartoons of you better get some plasma. Um, then they gave isoproteranol, so that's kind of similar to what we're doing. It's a beta agonist. Um, then they'd give digoxin. Um, I mean, we don't do... Digoxin is another one of those meds that kind of goes in and out, in and out. The idea is it makes, uh, increases contractility, so that was sort of their thought process. Then they said, well, if that doesn't work, then give uh, phenoxybenzamine. Who's heard of phenoxybenzamine? We actually still rarely use it today. It's uh, alpha antagonist. So it actually dilates, bless you. Um, so the thought was there, if you're squeezing down at the capillary, you're not perfusing the, the periphery, you better dilate the capillaries with this uh, alpha blocker. So this actually lowers the blood pressure. Use it now for people with pheochromocytosis in like high uh, blood pressure. So it kind of goes uh, uh, contradictory to what we believe. And they said, we've largely abandoned the use of norepinephrine, which is, this is kind of our mainstay right now. So norepinephrine was um, used, I guess, probably like in the 30s 
or 40s or whenever it came out. Then they abandoned it. Now we use it again, and we'll probably abandon it, and we'll switch over to phenoxybenzenate in 25 more years. Uh, the other thing they did is, um, oh, antibiotics. So what do you think were the uh, top antibiotics? Yeah, penicillin. So yeah, this is funny. Um, so the first thing they did was canamycin. So it's probably in the genomycin family. We don't even use canamycin anymore. Streptomycin. Streptomycin is still around but rarely used. And chloramphenicol. Chloramphenicol basically suppresses all bloodlines, so we don't use it very often. And then massive doses of penicillin. So the penicillin doses were 60 million units. So strep throat, you give 1.2 million IM for um, syphilis, 2.4 million, 60 million. So here's the crazy thing with that. Every million units has like a mill equivalent and a half of uh, potassium. So you'd basically be given like 70 mill equivalents of potassium. And you think, okay, a lot of these people are renal failure and you're giving them IV potassium. So that seemed like a bad combination to me. Um, they also give, they thought oxygen was questionable, hydrocortisone 500 milligrams, steroids, if you've been around long enough, you know that we gave steroids 10 years ago, we do this catrosin stim and then do steroids and we said, oh, it's no good. Uh, but steroids are another one of those things that kind of cycle in and out of flavor uh, with medicine. And uh, permissible hypotension was sort of in vogue. You could let people run 30 below their normal. So if someone's normally 120, let them run at 90 or so. Um, let's see what else. Oh, they said vasopressors are only indicated when blood pressure is unrecordable. So if you could not palpate a blood pressure, then and only then would you start pressors. So anyway, the idea here is like, um, basically what we're learning today, probably most of it will be wrong. If you kind of look back in time, they thought this was state of the art and they thought they were super awesome. Some of the things they were kind of right on, like CVP and some sort of oppressor and some sort of fluid resuscitation. Some things are crazy, like why would you give a vasodilator? Why would you give hydrocortisone? Why would you let someone run low? But maybe letting someone run low would be a better answer. Um, think about like GI bleeds. Remember we used to transfuse people all the way up to uh, hematocrit of 30. If we let them be permissively lower, it reduces the risk of bleed. So maybe this one will come back into flavor. Anyway, I thought it's interesting to look at stuff from the past.